Word nerd. Wordsmith. Wordy. Wordless. Oxford Dictionary says a word is a single, distinct, meaningful element of speech or writing, used with others or sometimes alone. We say each one matters. No extra words is literature, minimalist style. And we're getting you right to the story. A Wedding Jig by Sarah Hassel. Tap, tapity tap, tap, tapity tap. One, two, three, one, two, three, spin and spin. And ready, set, again. Oh, why do you stare at me with those weeping black eyes, you lesser fair and no longer queen? Do you not think you got what's deserved? Tap, tapity tap, tap, tapity tap. One, two, three, one, two, three, spin, and spin, and ready, set, again. First, you sent the huntsman. Ah, ah, keep dancing. Tap, tapity tap. But he was no match for my skin as white as snow, lips as red as blood, and hair as black as ebony. A little working of the wiles, and he was of no concern to me. Just ask my new husband, Wink. Needs higher, if you please. Tap, tap, de tap. And when the huntsman failed, you came with silken laces. One, two, three. And again you came with a poisoned comb. One, two, three. And once more you appeared with a poisoned apple. Come, come, and raise those heels to the terry. The music's not let up. Spin. So what? So what if my father never really loved you? And spin. So what? So what if I sucked all the youthful beauty out of you with games of worry and tricks of magic and a curse of my own upon such a fine-looking glass? And ready, set, again. See? Now don't those iron shoes feel just fine? Well, I bet those blisters on your pulp little feet barely register any pain. At least, nothing discernible from the rest of your agony. Come, come, you lesser fair and no longer queen. The music's not let up, and you're to dance until you drop. Your wedding gift to me, and such a lovely gift, though I wish it were wrapped in a prettier package. And tap, 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 tap. One, two, three, one, two, three. Hello there! Welcome to No Extra Words, the Flash Fiction Podcast. My name is Chris Baker-Dirsch. I'm your producer and editor. It is election day here in the United States where I live, and a lot of these episodes are recorded weeks, or if I get really, really ahead of the game, even a month ahead of time. This one is not. I am recording this Sunday night, the 6th of November, because that is how caught up I am with life this week. And I am having a one of those moments that you have where you're really glad things didn't go how you planned them because my initial plan for this election day episode was to get permission to use a poem, a very nice poem about patriotism and about us all coming together as one country, interdependent on one another regardless of our political beliefs, and I couldn't get the permission to use it. It's a really great poem. I'll see if I can find it linked somewhere and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's a nice poem, but for a lot of reasons, copyright being a main one, but also just ethics and good manners. I don't use anything on this show that I have been able to get explicit permission to use. So even if I think the author might be okay with it, that's just not something we mess with here. And I couldn't get permission to use it. So I think that's a really good thing because, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, I think we're all really, really, really tired of this election. And to get to do an episode that really had nothing to do with the election was kind of fun. 
And so this episode is a very non-election day, election day episode. And it's all about perspective, how we see things from different angles and what's an illusion and what's real. And it gets very meta towards the end. So I'm looking forward to that. We started with Sarah Hossel. This is Sarah Hossel's debut publication, which is always fun when we can bring one of those, an emerging writer just starting out um, with their first publication. And I bonded with Sarah immediately because we are both Seattleites and we are both stay-at-home moms. So... It's always nice to make those connections with contributors. Sarah Hossel gives us a little fractured fairy tale, which is one of my all-time favorite things to do. And I always say to people, if you have not read the original Grimm's fairy tales in their bloody gore, you really should go back and get those original non-Disney-fied fairy tales. And in this one who's good and who's evil has been flipped because in the original end of Snow White, that is what happens is this stepmother gets punished by having to be in dancing leg irons and you get to see the evil Snow White cackling over what she's done to her stepmother. It's just delightful. Um, we are closing this episode with Levi Noe, fellow podcaster at the Rocky Mountain Revival, which is a fun show to listen to, taking us through a tour of the human mind, which was marvelous and for me titling this episode I had about a thousand titles I could use because Levi's way with words and his just delectable phrases yummy for those of us who love to play with words and in the middle Donovan James brings us a very it's not political that's not the right word for it philosophical is a better word it's a real question of time the how did we get here and and is this fair, this life that we've laid out for ourselves? So none of this is about politics. None of this is about the election. But it is about putting on different glasses and seeing things from a different angle or a different way. And I del- really, really hope you enjoy it. And the good news is, win, lose, or draw, we're all still here. We're all still neighbors. We're all still telling stories. And whatever happens in this election, I will be back next week with more short fiction. And we will keep doing what we do. So take that with you to the polls today. And I hope you have a great election day here from no extra words the lottery of birth by donovan james the souls were lined up at the lottery board which stretched the length of what humans would call approximately 100 feet The souls had no concept of length, or time for that matter. They were just shapeless souls, after all, beings of simple emotion ready to be sent to whatever physical body on earth the lottery board decided. For a human, this process would have been incredibly stressful, but humans have the unfortunate tendency to believe in free will, that their future is home to an endless array of possibilities. The souls know better, but this does tend to make their existence, however short it may be to a human, rather boring. The only thing they didn't know was what the lottery board would determine their future on Earth to be. To a passerby, Sally was your average soul, just like any other. Inside her shapeless form, however, were the budding seeds of human emotion. She actually felt things about being a soul, the lottery board, and everything in between. Due to this, she was considered extremely dangerous by the old souls, and extremely weird by the young souls. Who knew what a young soul like Sally would think up what with all of those random emotions flitting around through her head? Sally's number was destined to be called soon, and she hung around the board waiting. The board clicked off number after number, each with a name, country, city, and race. Sally watched them click by, feeling uneasy, 
to a human, the emotion Sally felt could be described as akin to watching a public execution. Who would Sally get to be on Earth? With so many possibilities, not all of them appealing, the question spurred a flurry of emotions and thoughts in her young mind. What if she ended up completely forgotten by history? Or the daughter of an abusive father, or the victim of a horrific disease, or worst of all, poor? As she thought of these things, her friend Rick floated over to her, beaming with happiness, or as happy as a soul can look. Mostly they just look like shadows or silly putty all mashed up. You hear the news? She hadn't. I'm going to be a banker's son in America. No big deal, I just can't wait till I'm old enough to really enjoy it, but they say you got to wait like 20 or 25 years, whatever those are. He talked as if he could go on forever about himself, which he did. After he was done, he asked, You get your fate yet? Not yet. You know, I don't know why all the retired souls keep trying to change this lottery board and all. It works pretty well if you ask me. Yeah, Sally said. I mean, how else would we do it? Oh, jeez, here comes one of those old souls now. I'm going to bolt. He floated off, leaving Sally alone with the old soul. Hello, Sally. Not going to go with your friend there? No, still waiting for my number to be called. All in due time. All in due time. This statement confounded Sally. All of the old souls, the ones who'd come back from Earth, all spoke of time. They referred to it as if it were some kind of lottery board. Always there, always counting down to something, but to what Sally didn't know. Mr. Larkin was silent, content to just float around instead, as old souls are off to do. So Sally seized the moment to ask him something candidly, something that concerned all of those emotions floating around in the shadowy head of her soul. Say, Mr. Larkin, why don't all us souls change things once we get down to Earth? You know, make the whole lottery of birth more fair. You don't think it's fair? Well, gee, how could I? Where I'm born just decides everything. It decides whether I die, young or old, or have to kill or be killed in some war, or even if I have enough food to eat. It doesn't sound too fair to me. All of that decided by a simple lottery. Well, it's awfully complicated once you get down there. And things have been the way they are for quite some time. But that's no excuse for the way things are. No, I suppose it's not. Have you seen how souls act when the lottery gives them good news? Sure, Sally thought of Rick. Well, do you think you could get a soul like that to change the lottery of birth? Oh, well, I guess it'd be pretty difficult, but you could do it. The old soul beamed at Sally's youthful optimism. Then he said, well, if that'd be difficult, imagine how hard it'd be once you get down to Earth, and that person had all they ever wanted, all sorts of money and power, and you had nothing, not even a means to contact them. What's money and power? Sally asked. Ideas of survival that blossom into prisons through time, Mr. Larkin said. How would you organize it if you could, if it was all up to you, young Sally? Gee, I guess I'd give everyone an equal chance. I mean, if it's just as likely that I'll end up as a kid in Zaire as it is a kid in Japan, I want both kids to have an equal chance of a good, safe life. So that I have an equal chance at a good, safe life. Well, the lottery board called Sally's number. Oh, that's me, Mr. Larkin. I'll catch you later. Sally floated over to the board and stared at her fate for quite some time. It wasn't until Rick interrupted her thoughts that she finally recognized her surroundings again. What'd you get, Sally? A black boy in Sudan. Oh, in a village or Darfur? Man, I'm sorry, Sally. 
Oh well, what are you gonna do? That's the lottery of birth. The Mind I was having brunch with my demons when my shadow showed up uninvited, turning our pity party into a mid-morning massacre. I would have stayed in my hole wallowing, but then the synaptic mailman came at noon to deliver a letter from Rationality that read, There are a thousand sides to every story, so please, step outside for a minute, or at least open a window. So I took a walk to Mercy's apartment. She was out on an errand, but somehow she knew I'd be by. She left a note. Yes, it's all in your head, but that doesn't make it any less real. Go see Compassion. She can help. I took the train to the Upper Heart District and found her in a dive bar, sipping ginger ale, listening to every barfly's woeful tale. I asked for her advice, and she shrugged. Everyone's got problems. It's mostly a matter of how well you can love despite or because of them. She sent me next door to Payne, who was lying on the linoleum, needle in his arm. I had to slap him awake. He didn't seem to mind, but all I could get from his fevered fits was his mantra. The cure is in me. The cure is in the pain. Then blame came in pushed me aside and told Payne he had to leave if he didn't have the rent. I was utterly confused, no better or worse than before. I was ready to get a drink at Delusions or rent a room for eternity at Oblivion's when a raven called to me from a streetlight. Say, I think I'm lost. I could use some directions. Couldn't we all, was all I said. You look like you know the neighborhood, the raven said. I should. I created it. Well then, you must be why I'm here. Sometimes I get called in when there's a situation. My face was a question, the raven answered. I'm from the realm of myth and archetypes. It looks like you could use some perspective. There's more to this world than what you make. Your mind is a place in and of itself, but it's only one small world in an infinite cosmic sea. If you can't find happiness, and peace eludes you, perhaps it's because there's no place for them in this world that you've created. He looked at me with endless eyes, then continued. I'd recommend a tsunami to set things straight. You gotta destroy to create. And from the looks of this place, it could use some good devastation. Now, you got any questions? I stared, speechless, a lost look in my eyes. The only difference between you and me, kid, is that I know I'm an illusion. Now quit your self-loathing and make your dreams come true. This world, it's all for you. The raven flew off. Well, I wondered which part of myself to take the wrecking ball to first. 
Thanks for listening to the No Extra Words podcast. For more information on today's stories and contributors, or to learn how to submit your own work, please visit us at noextrawords.wordpress.com. The best support you can give the show is to recommend us to your family and friends. See you next time.